What up, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today we're going to do a little recap of the last few days and just what's going on in the NBA. Um, First team I want to start with, obviously, is my Cavs. They beat the Celtics for a second time in four days. Another OT game, a game of the year candidate. These two teams are perfectly matched for each other, and I just think this could be the start of a budding rivalry. Um, I'm very excited about that just because I'm from Boston and I'm a Cavs fan. So that works out perfectly. Um, But yeah, this was just an incredible win. This was Darius Garland's first full game back from the eye injury. And he looked incredible. He had 29 points with 12 assists and only one turnover. Um, Cavs are just a wagon. The Cavs are such a good team right now. And to beat the Boston Celtics twice is definitely something to be proud of. The Cavs have been amazing. They're 6-1 and one right now, second in the league in defensive rating, sixth in the league in offensive rating. This team is meshing perfectly. Net rating of plus 10, they're third in the league in net rating. Everything is going well for this team right now. Uh, Donovan Mitchell stepping up as the point guard with Darius Garland out. He did as good as you could ask for. And I think we're going to see better and better passing play from him throughout the year. Uh, I heard a comment with him talking about how he watches film of Darius Garland and Mobley and Allen because he said he's never played with a mobile fluid, like rim running big like that before. Which is true. It's true. And it's, you know, not, I don't think it's meant to be a diss at Rudy Gobert. That's just not what he does. Yeah. Um, It's true. And we saw some ridiculous alley-oops thrown. Darius Garland had a ridiculous alley-oop in overtime uh, to Donovan Mitchell. That was awesome. They're such a fun team, man. At the moment, it's not a rivalry because the Celtics just keep losing. That's true. But they they have Rob Williams in the chamber. So once he comes back, it'll be really kind of the both of the teams at their peak. Um, But you know, we talked about kind of the the highlighty stuff in this game on our TikTok and some other of our social media platforms. Go make sure to go check those out at the Double Double Pod. But the thing, the small things I want to talk about that I thought that in, that were interesting in this game, just that the Cavs were able to persevere through it, was Evan Mobley's foul trouble. Um, in the first half, he had three fouls, and this is a guy that put up historic numbers of not fouling people and protecting the rim. That's what made him, that's one of the reasons that made him such a unique unicorn prospect in my eyes is that he could protect the rim with the best in college history, but foul less than all of them. Um, And he had foul trouble early in this game. And when they pulled him out, the Celtics went on a 13 to 0 run And it kind of looked like, all right, here we go. The Celtics are kind of figuring out their way. And then they just figured it out. The Cavs figured it out. When Mobley came back in, the clamps came back on, and he didn't get another foul for the rest of the game. And Garland just setting everything up. And another thing I want to highlight that might not be getting highlighted by major platforms is just Donovan Mitchell's defense. I know we spoke about it a few days ago, but Watching him deny Tatum the ball for 16 seconds of a 24-second shot clock while Marcus Smart's just holding the ball over his head at the three-point line, just wasting away opportunity, it just shows you what a new situation can do for a player. Because me and you were disgusted by his performance on defense in the Jazz Series last year. And then he's denying Tatum the ball. He's running from out of bounds to the three-point line to contest a Marcus Smart three. This guy was all over the place. He really is like a two-way player right now. He really is, yeah. Uh, That was a game of runs. The entire game, Celtics would make a big run. The Cavs would make a big run. It was back and forth with the lead like four or five times um, until it got to, you know, crunch time and overtime. Then it was just neck and neck the whole way. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, it's, it's awesome what being in a new situation can do. You're right. You're absolutely right. Especially like we see it as Celtics fans. Uh, when you have four guys on the floor who play good defense, even if you're a poor defender as that fifth guy, you want to try your ass off because everybody else is. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of teams in the NBA have buy-in in both directions. Um, there's a lot of guys who are just out there to defend, a lot of guys just out there to score. The Cavs and the Celtics are two teams that have a lot of guys that do both. Um, and they do both pretty well, man. Dean Wade has been a rock-solid role player. Yeah. I'm like... I, I couldn't have seen that coming, but he's such a sharpshooter and he gets so many wide open looks because Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland have so much gravity. Um, where do you feel like the Cavs ceiling is right now with the way the NBA landscape is and like how hot they are? 
And that's what I wanted to lead into. I really do believe they're the second best team in the East right now. Um, I don't think Toronto's playing really, really well. Um, the Hawks are five and three, but their schedule's been paper thin. The Celtics are still a very good team. It's just they're missing a very, very important player right now. So I don't think they can match up to what the Cavs have done so far this season. I think the Cavs are only behind the Bucks. I really do. And projecting out forwards, like maybe the Celtics get Rob Williams back and everything's fixed and they're a top five defense again and, you know, the issues just go away. That wouldn't shock me. But as far as I'm concerned, this team looks like a top three team. All these players are super young. I don't see where the decline could come from. Like, obviously, their three-point shooting numbers aren't going to stay that high the entire year. But if they're still above league average the entire year from three-point shoot, like from three-point land, this is their recipe. They can dominate you inside. They can dominate you outside. And then they just clamp you up on defense. I'm very, very impressed by them. And I think they win a first-round series guaranteed this year. Yeah, I'm starting to feel more and more confident about home court advantage being a lock for them this year. Um, I'm I'm thinking just as a Celtics fan, no Rob Williams, both of these games, and they're both thrillers in overtime. These teams are evenly matched. You know, mm-hmm. Cavs came away with both of those games, so maybe you give the nod to Cavs. But with Rob Williams, I think the Celtics uh, might take a leap over them. Uh, not uh, a, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's fair, though. Yeah. But at the moment, you're right. They look like the second best team in the East. I think, you know, by the all-star break, we'll start getting an idea of where this team's going to finish off. But a six and one start and missing your all-star point guard for the first six games, like it couldn't have gone better. And their only loss is to Toronto, who's playing out of their minds also. Like Toronto's just been incredible this season so far. And I'm okay with that loss. And it was only a three-point loss. So, yeah. And it was a game opener. It was the game opener, and like we mentioned, they lost their all-star point guard in the, in the first quarter of that game. So yeah, yeah, it's just um, it's just been a very impressive start. It has, and to to move on to the Celtics and talk about how the Celtics did that game, uh, Jason Tatum was bad for three quarters. Um, the fourth quarter in overtime, he stepped up, and even when he was shooting poorly, his defense has been stellar this year. Um, He had a good block on Kevin Love, I think, trying to dunk to the – he got a wide-open cut to the hoop, and Tatum snuck up from behind. Um, The defensive intensity has been excellent from Tatum. The shooting was poor for three quarters, but fourth quarter and overtime, he stepped it up, and he had, you know, the best dunk I've seen this season on Jared Allen to tie the game up. Yeah, that dunk was fucking crazy. Um, He shot out of a cannon and just rose up and threw it down on top of Jared Allen. And Jared Allen's one of the best shot blockers in the league. So that that dunk means something. Um, But for I want to get your take on this on the podcast. I don't think I've even asked you off the podcast. Was that a foul to you? Like, were you upset in that moment that they didn't give that a call? I'm not really bothered by that no call. Um, I'm not either. It's the sort of thing where whichever direction that call goes, it's not being reversed if you challenge it. Um, There is contact when you go towards the hoop like that. It's not like Jared Allen really stopped him from dunking the ball. No. Um, Obviously, having a free throw would have been pretty nice there. And I don't know if Tatum really thinks it's a foul or he wants that free throw to put the game ahead. Uh, But no, I wasn't worried about it. Yeah, my thing is, is usually in moments like that, the the refs try to swallow their whistle mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, they don't want the game to end on a free throw. It just, it kind of zaps the excitement out of the game. Um, and especially, like, I know it's Twitter and it's just ridiculous, but all of Celtics Twitter was bitching and moaning, oh, no foul call at the end of the game. Like, what Marcus Smart did in that game the Celtics should never get a foul call again. The amount of bullshit he pulled, I would say 75% of the game, Marcus Smart was just lying on the floor. Um, So for them, like Celtics Twitter to be up in arms about no foul call with like one second left on the clock when the entire game Marcus Smart was doing what he was doing, I just thought that was a little silly. Yeah, I mean, that is what Marcus Smart does. Um, It's Twitter though, it's Twitter. Significant amount of turnovers, it is Twitter. Um that is what it happens. Yeah. There's just a bunch of people bitching. Um, but I wasn't really worried about it. We got a lot of fouls that game. Um, and you know, honestly, you just got to close it out. in OT. 
that's that was my thought too. Like, all right, Tatum made the play. That was a big time fucking play. Now, if you're the Celtics, go finish the game, and they couldn't right. do it. Right. Yeah. Just props to the Cavs for being able to stay in it the whole time. Um, I've been having an issue with Joe Missoula holding on to his timeouts. Um, I hope this isn't a thing that continues for the rest of the season. I understand it's early and you want your guys to be able to slow down a, a run that the other team goes on without having to call a timeout. But a couple of times now it's burned us. It's burned the Celtics pretty bad. Uh, where you know something's coming, six points in, you know a run's about to come. And instead of calling a timeout, you let them score another 12 first. Yeah, this is something that's been on my mind as well. And it started last year with Ime Udoka. Udoka mm-hmm. was like, I don't want to call a timeout unless I absolutely have to. I'll let the guys figure it out there on the court. And at first, like when they were 500, everyone was like, this guy's fucking crazy. Like, why isn't he calling timeouts? Mm-hmm. And then as the season went on, it was like, all right, this guy has all of his timeouts. He's saving all of them. And it's like, it's an it's an advantage for the Celtics. Right. Because he can just rip a few in a row and just calm everything down if a game gets close. Um, but with Missoula, now we're kind of seeing the same thing when the Celtics were 500, where it's like, all right, dude, like, where's the timeout? This team's catching up or this team's growing their lead. Like, we should probably take a breather here. And it's just not happening. So I don't know if he's just trying to copy paste Udoka's formula and it's just not working the same for him. Or this is all a product of Rob Williams being out. I cannot tell. All I know is that, like, the metrics scream they need rob williams yeah and it's like visually you can see it too it's so obvious like if Mm -hmm. he's there rebounding you know mobley and allen aren't getting offensive rebounds they get go for kick out threes um so i don't know what's do you think that's just like him trying to be udoka or do you think this is a philosophy he believes in and this is how it's going to be the whole season and it'll work itself out I don't know. Um, There's been a couple of times now where he's basically thrown away timeouts because it's the end of the game and we didn't use them and we had situations where we could have. But it is early. You know, we're seven games into the season. Uh, This could just be trying things out, seeing how well the team can handle uh, being in a big lead and having them cut away at it. Um, we've just seen now against the Bulls and against the Cavs, you know, in a couple times last game, you could have called a timeout early, saved a little bit of that issue, saved a little bit of that lead. Um, I think it'll be fine because you do need Rob Williams. The thing with the Celtics that really sucks when you look at their rebounding is their bottom three in the league in offensive rebounds. They're middle of the pack in defensive rebounds. So it's not like they're terrible on that end, Um, but offensive rebounds, they get none. And that is Rob Williams. That's what he brings when he comes back ton of second chance points that open to wide open Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown threes. That's, that's what you're missing right now. And that's a huge, huge part of what you can do as a team. So it's weird. Like I have no worries about the Celtics. They don't look, they don't look as good as you'd want them to obviously, but when you have a defensive player of the year type caliber player missing from your lineup, no shit. You're like, your team's going to play differently. So, I'm just giving them time. I think they finish as a top three or four seed guaranteed. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, no worries for me. Yeah, game of the year. Game of the year candidates so far. I know it's early, but the, both yeah. of those Cavs-Celtic games are excellent. I think that's a playoff series in a year or two. Um, looks like the Heat are starting to dwindle. So, you know, there's another team that's got to come take that mantle. It seems like it's Cleveland right now. I believe me and you both said – in our Eastern Conference uh, preview this year, that this was the year they fall off. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, so I remember we got burned for it last year, obviously, because they ended up being the one seed. But right. this year, like something just felt different. I believe me and you both were like, hey, this is the year they fall off. And that's come to fruition. I mean, they beat the Kings by a game-winning shot by Tyler Hero, and he traveled on that play anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, they're really scrapping for wins. Jimmy Butler's already missing games. You know Kyle Lowry's going to miss a fourth of the season at least. Um, yeah, I think this is the year the Heat kind of fall off here. I think so too, man. And starting off four and five doesn't help, especially because they didn't go out and get new guys. This is the unit from last year. They were, old as you know, shit. they are old as shit. They were a jump shot away from making the finals, and now they kind of just look discombobulated. Um. We'll see, man. It's very early, and you can't count out Spolstra. They're not a nine seed for sure. They'll yeah. they'll rise, but who knows to where? 
Exactly. Um, I want to talk about another team that maybe isn't performing the way we thought they would, and that's the Warriors. Uh, they dropped a game to the Orlandic, Orlando Magic last night. What do you What do you think about this weird Warriors skid? The Warriors have not won a game on the road yet this season. 0-5. Um, that's not something you expect from a good team. Um, the defense is terrible, man. That's really what it comes down to. Points per game, they're first in the NBA right now, uh, but they just can't guard anybody. Uh, Mike Brown was their defensive coach. He has now moved on to the Kings. Both teams suck. I don't know if Mike Brown really brought defense away from the Warriors to the Kings because it's not like the Kings can defend anybody. Right. Uh, but the Warriors defense is lacking, man, and that might have something to do with it. Yeah, man. This has been really, really weird to see a team that just won a championship start the year three and six. And it's not like they're facing all the best teams in the league. Like I said, they dropped a game to the Magic. They dropped a game to the Pistons. Um, This is not... This is not what you want to see from them. They dropped a game to Charlotte, who I think is horrible. Um, Those three games were three of their last four. Yeah. Um, These are scheduled wins that they're being handed and they're not being able to capitalize. Um, And it's the same situation with the Heat, man. The lineup hasn't changed. Nothing's different this year. What's different, unfortunately, is you're giving James Wiseman minutes. Boom. And that's what I want to talk about. That dude is a bust in capital letters. I want to say that loudly. That dude is a bust. He's huge. He moves well for a person that big. And that is something that is valuable in itself. He's good driving to the paint. Every other aspect of that dude's game is fucking horrible. He can't play defense. He can't shoot. He can't space the floor in any sense. Cannot pass. He cannot play from the post. This dude's only skill set is being seven foot one and 750 pounds and being athletic. It is ridiculous. I saw a clip going around Twitter and I know it's just a clip or whatever, but I watched the second half of that Warriors game last night. There was a play in the first half where James Wiseman didn't set a screen for Steph Curry. Steph Curry had to yell at him to do so in the middle of a game as he's pounding the ball. James Wiseman goes, sets the laziest screen I've ever seen in my entire life, and then goes in the post and raises his hand for a touch. And when Steph takes a shot and makes it, he pouts on the way back down the court. This guy thinks he's fucking Hakeem Olajuwon, and he's horrible at basketball. The ego's crazy. This dude's a bust in capital letters. That was a hell of a rant. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I... I refuse to call a player a, rant, a bust until his third year. I do not. I just don't do it in the first two years. Um, James Wiseman's been awful so far. Uh, the defense is terrible, and it is just he's not locked in on either side. There is an ego there when you want to be the dude taking shots and you're bad at it and you have Steph Curry on your team putting up 31 points a game. You get out of his way or you make it easy for him to score. Uh, James Wiseman's huge. He could set screens that, you know, do not allow the defender to get through. Yeah. He's a big man, um, but he doesn't do it. I don't know what to do with James Wiseman. His offensive rating isn't bad. The defensive rating is terrible. I don't really know how much he brings. And another person we have to talk about is Kaminga. We spoke about it a little bit. Stephen A. Smith, whatever you want to say about him, he knows stuff. And he said on first take one day randomly that the Warriors are upset with Kaminga because he doesn't work hard and it seems like he doesn't give a shit. Well, that's like fully on board right now. Like that's what we're seeing. The dude's barely playing. He's getting 10 minutes a game. He's averaging two points a game. If we go back to the last few drafts from the Warriors, right? They chose Kaminga over Franz Wagner, who is fucking nasty. And then they chose James Wiseman over Lamella Ball, who I think is overrated. But if you have Lamella Ball as a sixth man, you are you're freaky. You're freaky good. Um, so Warriors, the whole like we want to compete now and we want to plan for the future thing, just crumbled in on itself because now you're old and players are mad at each other and your draft picks suck. So it's just kind of like the worst of both worlds. Can you blame absolutely all of this on the Draymond Green punch? 
Um, because the Warriors, let me, let me hear me out. The Warriors are a team where everybody knows that is a team with good culture. Every time they draft a rookie who's got a lot of work to do, but he's got a lot of flashes, we go, thank God he went to the Warriors because they know what they're doing with players. Yeah. They are one of the most well-respected teams in the NBA. Right now, shit is in absolute disarray. Um, and personally, I think the Draymond Green Jordan pool punch had a lot to do with that. Um, yeah. I think if there was calmness in that locker room, I think if that shit didn't happen, we'd be seeing a lot better vibes on this team. Um, might be ridiculous to blame it all on that, but I think it's got a lot to do with what's happening right now. I kind of love that theory, though. Like, if we dive into that, Draymond was the guy who made their culture kind of so great. Like, it yes. was him and Curry. Like, Curry was an unselfish guy. Yes. And then Draymond was the guy who was just wired to win. Mm-hmm. Um, And then he went too far. And it kind of ruined the vibe for sure. And now we see young players not playing well and they look like they suck. And you even mentioned it, like when players that had like very big scars on their game, we were excited if they went to the Warriors and it reigns true for just this last draft with Patrick Baldwin. Right. Like I was like, perfect. Like, I think he's a good player. It just seems like maybe he had a tough time in college. Send him to the Warriors. He'll be good. Yes. Who fucking knows if that happens anymore? Like, I have no idea. Right. We said it in the um, Kaminga pre-draft talk. Thank God he yeah. went to the Warriors. Like, exactly. that's a team that could build him into the right player. And now, Kaminga looks shot in his second year. And James Wiseman thinks he's Hakeem Olajuwon when he's played 50 total games in his career and is fucking horrible. Yeah. Uh, it's it's quite the change from winning a championship just four months ago. It's... uh. I don't know if you're a Warriors fan right now, like where are you on the panic meter from one to 10? Because you did just come off a championship and there's still championship DNA in there somewhere. Um, Do you think like this team can turn it around? Do you view this team as like a play in team? Cause right now they're like, they're 12th in the West. Like, obviously they won't be 12th forever, but you know, where do you see this working out for them? I think there's a greater than 0% chance that James Wiseman gets traded um, for somebody that's productive. Maybe Jakob Pertl. Maybe that's a thing the Spurs want to try. Um, you give me a young guy with a lot of potential, I'll give you a young guy who's good right now um, because their defense needs to improve quickly and James Wiseman doesn't make your defense better. I think they should put him out as, as a forward. I really, I don't know if he's that fluid but he seems like a dude who would be better suited. He plays like a forward anyway. He's built like a seven foot wing. He might be better suited hanging around with guys on the perimeter uh, and maybe being a weak side guy and letting Draymond do that. You know what he does as a center. I don't know what you do with James Wiseman, but obviously what's happening right now isn't working. You send him to the G league or you trade him. That's what yeah. you do with James yeah. Wiseman. And I, that's why I kind of like your, your idea, actually like the San Antonio move, like Yaka Pirtle can just be a backup to Kavon Looney. And then when he comes in, the defense is very similar. Yeah. And then Wiseman goes to a team where he can, quote unquote, cook. Um, I don't know. I, I don't hate that, actually. The thing that was interesting was last year, the Brad Beal rumors for the Warriors kept popping up like, oh, if they trade Kaminga, Moody, and Wiseman, they could get Beal. It's like looking at that now. I, I'm not a Bradley Beal fan, but there is no question Bradley Beal is better than those three players combined. Bradley Beal is your third option. Having that scoring output from your third option would be pretty crazy. You know, at that point, maybe even fourth option because you got Clay, Poole, and right. Wiggins. Um, that would be pretty awesome. Um, but wouldn't fix their defense. It wouldn't mm -hmm. improve their defense even a little bit. A lot of their offensive metrics right now paint them as a team of doing okay. Um, their offense is fine. Their offensive yeah. net rating right now, or their offensive rating is 13th, but the points per game is first. Right. Um, so they're just running up the pace right now, playing really, really fast, but not really making the most out of every possession, which isn't something you see from the Warriors very often. And I want to talk about the team that handed them a loss last night in the Orlando Magic. Um, obviously, they suck as a team. They're two and seven. But there's a specific player that really impressed me last night, and that was Jalen Suggs. Um, me and you spoke about it, I think, on the podcast. Opening night, he came out and played incredibly against the Pistons. Mm-hmm. He had a game like that again last night where he was hitting threes, driving to the rim, hitting mid-range shots, killing in isolation, all while being a absolutely ridiculous defender. Right. This guy is the Drew Holiday prototype. Like, 
I really do. When he's on, he looks like a game changer, and he changed the game last night. You can go watch that fourth quarter from last night. He controlled the entire fourth quarter as a second-year player who only got to play like 30 games as a rookie. Um, I was very, very impressed, and I think, you know, moving forward, if he can even be somewhere in the middle of his high and his low, that's a hit. That's a hit for a draft pick in their eyes. I agree. I thought this was going to be a dude uh, who, you know, was a culture raiser, just a guy, just like a calming presence to come in and play his role right. We're seeing that a little bit now. Um, I think it was always too late to count him out after his bad rookie year because you're right, he missed so many games. And he really looked like he was putting it together towards the end. Um, This is the perfect scenario for Orlando. Like, you got a good win against a team that just won the finals, but you're 2-8. and um, or you're two and seven right now. You know the plan. You're getting close games and you're losing all of them. Um, it's it's good to see them stick to that strategy. I want them to get a high draft pick this next year. Uh, it's very obvious when you look at this team how they could be good really quickly. Jalen Suggs, Paolo, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., Markel Fultz is coming back. These are playable NBA players. If you get a Scoot or like an Amon Thompson, um, somebody good next year's draft, just a top five pick would yeah. make this team much better. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. They have the co-stars or lead star already in Palo Franz and hopefully Jalen Suggs as well. Mm-hmm. They have the role players figured out. They just need one more slap of talent and then that will send them on the uprise. Um, I had this team making the play and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And it probably was too early to predict that. Yeah. But hey, they have the talent, and that's kind of where it starts. So they're on the rise. Paolo, quick little shout-out to him again. He played incredibly again. This dude is first in every category for rookies at this point. Uh, He's first in scoring, first in rebounding, first in assists, and he's first in steals and, like, fourth in blocks. Like, what he's doing is just kind of it's unprecedented perfect. yeah it's kind of unprecedented he scored 22 points against against the defending champs last night they they got a good one in palo man we both pretty much were we were both very confident that this dude was going to be great from day one um and that's what we're seeing that's what we're going to continue to see he sleepwalks into 15 points um he takes eight free throws a game he is Sorry. doing everything he can to just dominate around the hoop Um, His mid-range game is okay. Obviously, there's places where he can improve, but if you're a rookie putting up 22 and 8, 22, 8, and 4, and you have very glaring issues that you can improve, ah, man, I'll take it. That's awesome. Exactly, and that's my thinking, too, because the three-point shooting has not looked good. He's only shooting 25% from there. The mid-range in spurts, it looks incredible. Like, he'll do a sidestep in between the leg mid-range over someone, and it swishes through. But in terms of efficiency, it's not completely there. Agreed. But because, because he's such a dominating force physically, he gets to the free throw line at will, and he just gets easy buckets around the rim. He, Yeah, he's just awesome, awesome player. He's so good at taking people off the dribble. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be a dude who slows down a guy who's 6'10", 6'11", 250. Yeah. Um, like, there aren't many builds that can get in his way. Uh, So he is so smart about knowing when it's time to drive, when it's time to kick. He makes really good decisions with the ball. Uh, I am going to push for him to make an all-star game, even though it won't happen. Um, Just because he's exciting, man. The Magic would have to win more, and they're going to be awful. And maybe 22 points isn't enough, but it feels close. It does feel close. Um, I think efficiency usually matters, and I Mm. think team record usually matters, and this team's going to be horrible, and he's at a tick below elite efficiency. So I think that probably goes against him, but Hey, we still have a lot of time before the all-star break. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Moving on. I want to talk a player, talk about a player that you're super passionate about that. I've just been getting weird vibes from this season. And that's Jokic. Um, Like all the way up until just this year, you thought he was right on par with Giannis as the best player in the league. Um, This year, it feels a little bit different. Um, And if you go look at the numbers, it might not indicate that. He's scoring 20 points per game, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. Basically a triple-double every single night. The three-point shooting is horrible. And he had a 10-turnover game last night. That's just super uncharacteristic for Jokic. And I'm just curious, like, 
I know you spoke about it, how he does exactly what it takes to win, and that's it. Is that enough? Like, are you happy with the way he's performing? Do you think it gets better over the season? Like, what are your thoughts on just how he started the season this year? So this is, for someone who's watched a significant amount of Nikola Jokic minutes, this is not uncommon for him to start a season looking passive, looking uninterested in getting his own shots, looking just like trying to be a game manager. Don't get me wrong. He's making some passes this season that nobody else in the world is capable of making. Nobody's seven foot with that kind of passing vision. Uh, But he isn't looking to score. He's not looking to, you know, he's really good at taking people off the dribble. We saw it last year when he was surrounded by bums. That's what he had to do every single possession. I don't think he's a guy that wants to be aggressive. Um, He has to be sometimes to win some games, but I think if he could just incorporate everybody else and just sit back and get 15 points and let the team put up 120, I think he's happy to do that. Um, So he's just been passive, man. It happens all the time with him. It's frustrating. I remember I was a huge fan of him as a young player. His second, first, second year, I was like, wow, this guy's really unique. And then I kept waiting for him to take the scoring jump and he just didn't. And it started to frustrate me because I was like, all right, I know this guy can pass, but why isn't he scoring? Like, is mm-hmm. he just a passer? And then he took a massive leap in that department and became like a solar star. Right. Can he, can this team be a championship team if he's just the table setter? Or does uh, it require and two time back to back MVP Jokic? So Nikola Jokic's playoff numbers are better than pretty much anybody out there. Um, He doesn't crack under pressure in the playoffs. He steps it up a lot in the playoffs. I think if it was up to him, he would play this way. If they could get a winning record, if they could get a home court advantage seed, he would continue to play this way all the way into the playoffs. In the playoffs, he has no problem being aggressive. Um, But can this team, the way it's playing right now, be a home court advantage team? I don't think so. They need him to be a, you know, 18-ish field goal attempts a game kind of guy. Yeah, because what's interesting to me is like when we started in the offseason predicting where this team would finish out, we just in our heads assumed, all right, he's going to put up 26 points per game again on record-breaking efficiency. Yeah. And they get Michael Porter Jr. and they get Jamal Murray back. Right. Well, they've gotten Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, and they've looked pretty good as of late. But the scoring for Jokic has come back down. So I thought maybe this would be like a huge leap forward for this team. And they're still five and three. They're fine. Like, it's not like they're, oh, it's, you know, they're still winning games. They're still above 500. It's just the vibe feels a little bit different just because he's not scoring the same way he was. He is the third, uh, he's third on his team right now in field goal attempts. Jamal Murray is at 14.4, and Michael Porter Jr. is at 13. And Jokic is at 12 shots a game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what you expect from Jokic. He's going to step it up eventually. Um, this always seems to happen if you really follow a lot of Nuggets news. You hear, like, once a year, Michael Malone has to yell at Jokic to be more aggressive, and then the next game, Jokic puts up 40. Yeah. Um, we see this a lot. Jokic the last two years was at 18 shots a game. I expect it to go up to like 15 ish. Yeah. Um, but he's going to just keep incorporating his guys, especially because they're winning and his guys are having good nights. Yeah. It, I, it's just been a stark drop yeah. in shots per game, like dropping six shots a game. That's like significant. That's that is. like, Hey, I don't want to do what I've been doing the last two years. He hasn't taken 18 shots once this game with a season. And that's that's strange for a guy who's won back-to-back MVPs. It's right. it's a little strange. So that's just something I've been keeping my eye on just because, you know, I viewed the Nuggets as a team that could potentially win the West, and I still do because Mur- uh, Michael Porter Jr. looks very good so far this season. And Murray, every single game, you can see him get a little bit more comfortable. Last night he threw down a nice little reverse dunk. Um, so if Jokic gets back to like, hey, I'm the lead guy and I'm going to set you guys up, this team's going to be just fine. I'm just curious when that happens for them. I don't know if it'll take some special game where Jokic just goes off. He does them in spurts. Um, we'll see. Michael Porter Jr. right now has, is 26 of 53 from the three-point line through seven games. Over seven threes a game, and he's shooting 49%. Um, when you got a guy like that, you just keep feeding him. 
that's like that is it's six foot eleven Clay Thompson. That's yeah. that is Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. For Nuggets fans, like, yes, the injuries are so annoying. You you should ride with this guy until yes. he retires. Try to work through it because if he does stay healthy a whole season, he's one of the most unique talents in the league. He is. He shoots over people just like Kevin Durant does. Doesn't matter uh, how close you are to him, what hand you get in his face, wherever <laughs> he's hitting the shot. Yeah, he is. And to have probably a top five passer in NBA history, throwing him dimes, yeah. it's just you can't make a better match. Yeah, dude, for all the, I mean, Jokic has been passive, but go watch. He's already putting on a, like a pretty good highlight tape this season with passes. He makes some whips around the corner, skip passes that are just ridiculous. Yeah, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are a team I'll definitely be keeping my eye on. I still have very high hopes for them. Probably a home court advantage team in the West, or I hope so. I think that probably happens for them. Yeah. Um, But let's take a little break and then we'll preview some games that are coming on tonight. All right, and we're back. A uh, team that we forgot to talk about right before the break there that we want to talk about for a little bit is the Los Angeles Lakers because they're doing some things different now. They've got Westbrook coming off the bench. Uh, they've got some shooting in some spots with some players. Some of the shooting's getting a little better. And they've won two games. Uh, they were two good wins. Russell Westbrook played good in both of the games. Uh, things are starting to look up. Uh, and I just wanted to get your take on the Lakers so far. Yeah, so I was watching the Lakers-Pelicans a few nights ago and I turned it on just to honestly kind of laugh and LeBron looked horrible absolutely horrible Um, I was watching the game for Zion basically and Russell Westbrook was actually the one who was standing out to me and I know we we've done a lot of Westbrook content on this podcast I've been his biggest hater for a really long time um He looked very fucking good against the Pelicans. He came off the bench. He was moving like at light speed. Um, He was setting up guys. He was getting easy buckets. I think he was five for seven on the night. For whatever reason, him going to the bench and Darvin Ham's decision to put him on the bench has really kind of ignited a new energy on this team. Because if you had watched the Lakers in the past, this team's moping around. They never laugh. They're always pissed at each other. The other night when I watched them, they were in good vibes. Like him and Westbrook and Lonnie Walker strutting up and down the court. Like LeBron's getting easy dunks because Westbrook's setting him up. I, it was just a totally different atmosphere. Anthony Davis looks like the defensive player of the year so far. That dude is swatting everything. Um, it's just been really encouraging because like we've talked about, we don't want to see this year go to waste for LeBron. This is one of the most unique talents we'll ever get to see in our lifetime. Like we want his whole career to be a successful one. If this can be salvaged a little bit by this move to bring Russ off the bench, I'm all for it. This team was never going to be a 18 win, 20 something win sort of team. This was an awful, awful start from a team with a lot of talent. They're third in the league right now, defensive rating. Um, You can tell there is defensive potential on this team. There kind of always has been. Um, I love the idea to bring Westbrook off the bench. It's so obvious. We are people, you know, who just watch a lot of basketball, but just to us, it's so obvious. Obviously there's egos involved and guys don't want to be moved to the bench, all of that. But Westbrook is better when he's the solar system. Um, it works when he can just pound his way into the lane, find an open three point shooter, or, you know, he's get to his layups. It works so much better than when, when he's on the floor with LeBron. Um, and when he gets into a rhythm like that, he's great in the fourth quarter. We've seen a better version of Russell Westbrook these past handful of games. Um, obviously, he's going to have duds. It's what he does. But seeing him happy and seeing the Lakers crowd actually cheer for him was yeah. actually something I liked seeing. I did, too. I, I said a few podcasts ago, like, I think it's getting a little out of control right now. The Russ Westbrook hate, like, yes, I hate the way that dude plays basketball, but it feels like Every single time he misses a shot, it's a clip that gets put on Twitter and has like right. 60,000 retweets, right? Like, it's like every single thing he does poorly is blown up and is made a clip and is made a headline. It's nice to see a change in that. Like, it's nice to see him get, getting some praise. Um, And I will, I was shocked, but he was playing defense when I was watching. Like, that dude was getting in the right positions. I didn't see him moping around and letting people fly behind him for backdoor layups. Like, he actually cared, and I don't know what sparked this change. It must have been getting moved to the bench, but he cares so much more now than he did all of last season. Um, it was 
it was an incredible effort from him, honestly. And I was very impressed and I was very happy to see it work out that way. And at this point, the guy we got a bag on for giving up and for not putting his all into these games is LeBron James. It is. Um, when he runs in transition and they don't pass him the ball, he mopes on the other end. He does not go and play defense on the other end. Um, he has been dejected this whole season. Game one, two, and three, his post press conference, he was talking about our shooters suck. Um, he's already checked out. Russell Westbrook has brought a lot of energy, and that's a thing he does. Uh, seeing him in good vibes is good. It's up to Darvin Ham to really maintain these good vibes because yeah, yeah. there's going to be more losing stretches. There's going to be 40 missed games with Anthony Davis. Like there's going to be more adversity coming. Darvin Ham's got a lot on his plate in terms of just like making sure everybody stays happy. But it is cool to see how much Darvin Ham rides for Russ. Yeah, it, to have a coach that cares that much about a player is it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, and Lebr- you're right. LeBron, the second game of the season, was like, this team's not built for shooting. We All of our shooters suck, basically. He's been horrible from three, and he's fucking shocking them. Dude mm-hmm. does not even try to get to the rim, it looks like. 0 for 7 from 3 in the game I watched. And if you just go down his box scores, they're atrocious. He's shooting 22% from 3 this year. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of... You know, it's weird because this is an all-time great player that knows what a title team looks like and he knows what a bad team looks like. And he knows he's on a bad team, but it's still kind of weird to see him not try his hardest. Yeah. Um, Like, I saw a possession where Russ grabbed a rebound. LeBron stayed under his basket and it was a four on five and he just waited until they missed a shot and he was back under the basket still. I was like, really, dude? It's the seventh game of the season, and you're already doing that type of shit? He's doing it on both ends. It's like one thing if you're like 28 and whatever, right? You only have 20 wins in the season, but it's the seventh game of the season. Like, you can maybe make this salvageable, and he just doesn't fucking care. And it's, I mean, he tried on defense against Zion. I respected that. I, I wasn't prepared to see LeBron try on defense against Zion, but... I don't know. And I I actually want to highlight Anthony Davis as well, because the defensive performance he's putting on this season is fucking crazy. Dude leads the league in stocks, so steals and blocks combined. And it's every single time someone goes to the rim against him, he's either poking the ball away or swatting the shit out of it. It really is one of the better rim protection seasons like I've gotten to watch. Um, obviously, we know his injuries is what's kept him from winning the Defensive Player of the Year award. If this dude stays healthy, it's no question his award. I don't disagree with you. Um, the Lakers have to be a good team, but right now their defense is top three, even though they're two and five. I was going to say, do they have to be a good team or do they have to be a good defense? Like if they remain a top three defense. I think they're a top three defense on a team that makes the play in. They're not uh, giving an award to Anthony Davis for how good his defense is. Okay. Um, especially when you got a guy like Brooke Lopez putting up like three and a half blocks a game right now. Um, there are, you know, if it was runaway and Anthony Davis was clearly the best defender in the NBA, um, which, which he does he kind is. of look like right yeah, now, but I think... you know, there's other guys that, you know, are right there. Giannis is right there. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert could bring himself back into that conversation. He's not there right now. Um, but it's very, very early in the season, but yeah. He's awesome right now. He, you know, if the season ended right now, he probably would be the defensive player of the year. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Um, let's preview some games that are going to happen tonight. One I have my eye on is the Pelicans at Hawks. Uh, DeJounte Murray had an awesome game against the Knicks. Trey Young got ejected or either did he get hurt or did he get ejected? I forget. I'm not sure. He had to leave the game and DeJounte Murray completely took over and just led the Hawks to a win. He looked incredible on defense and on offense. Um, The Hawks are getting a little bit of hype right now, but I think their schedule has been soft as tissue paper. And then the Pelicans, they started off by slamming the Nets. And me and you were like, holy shit, like watch out for this team. Now they're four and three and beating the Nets doesn't look as impressive. So I think this is a good gauge to see where both teams are at. I'm very excited for the Pels this season or tonight. Um, I'm not sure is Bi back from his concussion. I think he's yeah. I think he's going to try to make it back tonight. Well, that's good. Um, that'll be an exciting game. I wonder, you know, what is Draymond going to do against Zion? Um, we'll see. Like, who is the guy who they put up against Zion tonight? We'll see. Um, 
there's not a lot of very interesting games out tonight. The Celtics Bulls, Celtics have already dropped a game to the Bulls, and you really didn't figure that would happen. Um, I'm I'm oh. excited. What's going on? I, I'm sorry. I realized the game I was talking about was on Saturday. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, Warriors Pels is tonight. Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. Um, it is still a good gauge to see where this team's at. Uh, True. You know, both teams. Both teams really got to win this game. Uh, Raptors-Mavs is a game tonight that I'm really excited about. Watch the Raptors. I'm going to say it as often as I need to say it. Watch the Toronto Raptors. They're a fun-ass team. The other day, Fred Van Fleet was out, and they just put out five, six, nine guys. What are you supposed to do about that? If you're any team in the NBA right now, what do you do about that? Scotty looks so good running does, point dude. guard, too. It's un- he did it for Florida State. That's That was his role. He was a six-man off the bench, and he ran the offense every right. single time up the court. And he's doing it for the Raptors, and he looks damn good at it. He does, man. And his shooting has been ridiculous. Um, it's come down to earth a lot, but it's still at 48%. It was at, like, 56 at one point. Yeah. Um, he's doing like two for one pull up threes and transition. Um, yeah. The confidence is unreal from him. I'm loving it. And then um, Pascal Siakam at center. Every part of this team is awesome. Yeah, this team's like I view as a guaranteed home court advantage team. Like I, I take Raptors over Philly. I don't care about like we didn't even mention the James Harden injury, but even after Harden's back and back from injury, I still think the Raptors are going to have a better record this year. They just. They have such a system in place. They have the players that buy into it and just endless amounts of energy. I choose that over superstars for right now, for this season. I think that's totally fair. The Raptors are a perfectly built team. They got Nick Nurse, who's a top three coach in the NBA. They've got a system that is unlike anything the rest of the NBA is doing right now. You have to scheme specifically for the Raptors. Um, And it's tough to do that. This team's got a lot of really good offensive and defensive pieces. OG Ananobi looks great. Yeah. Um, I, I just like watching that team, and they don't get enough recognition. They have less than 10 televised games this year. It might be like four. Um, yeah. It's really dumb. The Lakers have like eight times the amount of televised games that the Raptors have. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the game you already talked about because I was talking about the wrong one. The Warriors-Pelicans. <laughs> The Warriors Pelicans game is a good gauge for both of them as well. Like, because the war, we just talked about the Warriors for a good amount of time. Like, they need to show that they still have some fight in this race. And the Pelicans, like I said, like, I think their wins should be wins and I think their losses should be losses. It's time for them to be the team that has some like real gusto to them. You brought up the Celtics Bulls. That's going to be awesome. Obviously, because I'm a Cavs fan, I want to mention this one, but it is Mobley versus Cade, right? Same draft class. Donovan Mitchell and Garland are both questionable. Um, It looks like they'll both be getting rest tonight. Uh, They said it was knee injuries. Both of them did take a weird fall in that Celtics game, but um, so it'll be Mobley, Jared Allen, and Karis LeVert versus the Pistons. So this is just going to be, this is one for the truthers, but (laughs) I still think it'll be fun to watch Mobley versus Cade. Yeah, not a high uh, turnout, (laughs) not a high audience count for that game for sure. Yeah, no. um, Wizards Nets is an interesting one. Wizards are four and four right now, and you kind of feel like they're going to get this game. They're going to win this game against the Nets. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when Udoka starts coaching. Um, I really that, that that's still a mystery to me, but that'll be interesting. The Bucks may continue their undefeated streak today against the Timberwolves. I expect them to. Yeah. I think this is a well built matchup. Um, big team against big team with some interesting guards. Uh, that'll be an exciting game. It'll be a Bucks win, probably a convincing one, but it'll be a fun game. Let's do this because I feel like we have to talk about this. How bad does the Rudy Gobert trade look right now? It's early. So I'm, you're good. You're good I'm with fine. it. I'm fine. Okay. It's very early. This is a huge change. Um, obviously, it's going to take a while to figure that out. Um, but bad right now, obviously. It looks bad right now. All right. I'm already starting to hit the panic button um, on this because when you give up that amount of unprotected first-round picks – you want them to be bad picks. And I don't know if that's going to stay that way. Carl Anthony Towns defending the perimeter is hilarious. That yeah. dude has horrible feet, horrible technique. He's it's so, it's so interesting to watch because on offense, he's insane. And then on defense, he looks so bad. Um, Anthony Edwards openly said in a press conference, like, I cannot get to the rim. There's five people in the paint every single time I try to dunk. Anthony Edwards has dunked zero times this season. 
I but I'm on his side though. I'm on his side. If you have Rudy Gobert who can't do anything offensively, just camping out in the paint all game, how is how is there supposed to be a lane that's created? It, it it's just clogged the entire game. And then we have Cat calling shots at Ant. It seems like the vibes are fucking horrible in Minnesota. Um, and Rudy Gobert, it's weird because we knew these issues were true. Like I said two pre two post seasons ago when they were up against the Clippers, the Jazz and Clippers, I was like, Rudy Gobert's not going to do shit. I don't care that Marcus Morris is six foot eight. He has no offense in his bag whatsoever. And it's still the same issue and it's still causing the same problems, even though he's so good on defense. Four unprotected first round picks, plus Walker Kessler, who actually looks basically like the run young Rudy Gobert. It's kind of like I don't know. It's it's making me nervous. It's making me nervous. There's a reason to be nervous. Let me tell you the teams the Timberwolves have played so far. The okay. Spurs three times, the Jazz, the Thunder twice, the Lakers, and the Suns. And they're four One and four. One good team. Right. And they're four and four. You're and right. They lost to the Spurs twice. Um yeah, it's it's tough, but it's like who have they really played so far? How how realistic of a view do we have of this team? Uh, it is early. You're you're right. It's early. But it's early, f- but those trade those picks were never gonna be worth it. It's all it's championship or bust is what that trade is. Right. And me and you did a whole thing in the offseason about how Minnesota has a chance to go to the finals. Like we did we said that, and I was higher on it than you were, I think. And just seeing it in person, it looks totally different than what I thought. It, it just, it looks even worse in person. Like the fit, you know, could have been a little bit clunky, just two seven footers roaming around out there. Um, It does not, doesn't look Cats good. Cats got horrible feet. Um, horrible they really have to feet. stagger those guys' minutes. Um, it's- I want to say, sorry for cutting you off. The, the Celtics and Cavs make this look easy, but it's because they have guys like Horford and Mobley who are yeah. super mobile on the perimeter that can yes. switch on to guys. Cat is not that dude. Yeah. Al Horford has been around since the eighties. He's an old ass man and Cat still couldn't beat him in a foot race. Fuck no. Um, Al Horford shuffles his feet better. He does everything better. Cat's got feet like lead basically. Yeah. Um, He's not blown by anybody. It is tough. It is hard to imagine them getting a win here, but uh brooke lopez and Giannis, they got two bigs on the other end maybe there's a matchup there that works um i think that's kind of the last interesting game of the night yeah. there's blazers and suns but dame and like the whole team's uh, injured right now yeah and then jazz lakers it'll just be funny if the jazz win that one i was gonna say that one's mildly interesting just that's to true. see like are the jazz for real are they gonna keep it's winning? a good measuring stick for both sides both exactly yeah. <laughs> or are the lakers this bad exactly right. But yeah, I think I think that probably wraps everything up. Um, do you have anything else to say, Ben, before we get out of here? No, I think that'll do it. Uh, a couple interesting games to tune into. It's been weird so far. Uh, yeah. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. And make sure to check us out on TikTok at the Double Double Pod. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. Peace. Peace.